The reading today makes me think of conspiracies. And when I think of a good conspiracy anyways, I think of a smoke-filled room. I think of men whispering in a corner with sinister plans. I think of secrets. I think of quiet. I think of concealment. And there certainly is that kind of conspiracy going on in our reading today. You heard it put this way. It was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him. And they were doing it by stealth. That's the stuff of conspiracy. You can imagine that conspiracy in Jerusalem, and you can picture the setting, can't you? The chief priests and the scribes, these are people of prestige. These are people of power. They are people of means, we might say, people with wealth. And so you can imagine them on some dark night getting together and saying, all right, how are we going to do this? How are we going to pull this off? If we say this, what will they say? If we do this, what will they do? You can imagine the conspiracy. The air is thick with it. But there's another kind of conspiracy going on in our reading today. It's not the same kind. It's not the smoke-filled room sort of conspiracy. It's not the kind that has dark, ominous connotations. That's the chief priests and the scribes. But there is another meeting going on that you heard about. Jesus is meeting with his disciples. And if you will, we might be bending that word conspiracy a little bit, but I want you to picture that as being another sort of conspiracy. These two conspiracies, these two groups who are plotting, who are planning things are very different, aren't they? On the one hand, you have the chief priests and the scribes. You have people who have sinister plans, but they're powerful people, aren't they? And you know as well as I do that it's kind of fun to be involved in powerful plans. In fact, the chief priests and the scribes, if you were there in the room, you would probably feel like you were part of something really important, part of something really special. After all, it's only the really important conspiracies that have dark, smoke-filled rooms. If the conspiracy is no big deal, then you just talk about it openly, right? It's called making plans. But if it's a powerful conspiracy, well, then it requires darkness. Then it requires secret. Then it requires stealth. And there is something attractive about that, isn't there? Because we all would like to be part of something really important. At least I would, wouldn't you? Don't you want to be part of something that matters, part of something that endures, part of something that is worthy, at least, of a conspiracy, not an evil one, but we all want to be part. We don't want to think at the end of our lives that it was all a waste, that it was quickly come, quickly go, that it has passed away like a mist in the wind. We all want to leave a mark in this world. And the Pharisees and the chief priests and the scribes, they were intent on leaving a mark. And so they got their conspiracy together. And if we had been there, if we were able to at least read the meeting minutes, I'm sure that their conspiracy, their plan, was foolproof. I'm, th I'm sure that they thought through every possible scenario for how to get Jesus 
They were good at planning things. They were well-practiced at it. They wanted to do this. They put all of their time and all of their energy into it because they thought, here is something really important that matters. Meanwhile, over in Bethany, Jesus is meeting with his disciples. And there's a woman there who pours some ointment on Jesus' head. And did you hear what the disciples all thought of that plan? What a waste. What a useless, silly act. That ointment cost 300 denarii, which, if you remember the parable of uh, the workers in the vineyard, a denarius is what you get for one day of work. So 300 denarii would equal 300 days of work. That's a whole year's wages. And here this woman poured it out on Jesus' head. What a waste. Nobody wants to waste their life, do they? Well, this woman apparently wasted her life. She was wasting her life conspiring with Jesus. And who even knows if she knew what she was doing? And yet, what does Jesus say about not just her, but about all who waste their lives with him? She has done a beautiful thing. The disciples thought it was a waste. They thought she was pouring money down the drain, but she was pouring herself. She was pouring her money. She was pouring that ointment over her Lord's head. And Jesus said to her, and I want you all to hear this and note it well, that whatever is done for Jesus, whatever is done to Jesus, never goes to waste. If you want to waste your life, then you have to conspire with the Pharisees. If you want to waste your life, then you have to lose it by doing the things that the world thinks are super important. But if you want to make your life count, here is the lesson for us today. Then lose your life with Jesus. The disciples thought it was all a waste. They didn't understand what it all meant. And maybe the woman didn't understand it either. Did she know what she was doing when she poured that oil on his head? Did she know that he was going to be buried Well, who knows, right? But Jesus knew. Jesus knew that that act was part of the Father's plan. Jesus knew that he was, he too had a plan, that he had come into this world not to waste his life, not even to lose it in the conspiracy of the chief priest, but that he had come into this world to give his life as the ransom for many. And so her act done to Jesus with whatever level of knowledge she had, her act that the rest of the disciples in the room looked at as the action of a silly woman, that act, Jesus said, will be remembered. Because everything that is done to Jesus, everything that is done with Jesus, will in fact be remembered. Here's how Jesus put the conspiracy. Here's how he revealed it to his disciples. She has done this. She has done what she could, for she has anointed me beforehand for burial. Jesus knows what he's going for. Jesus knows what lies ahead. He doesn't have to conspire with his disciples. Now, when they come to take me away, I want you, Peter, to pretend like you're me so that I can sneak away secretly. No, Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. He has come to do it all out in the open. But not only does he tell them that he is going to be buried, but he hints at his resurrection this way. Truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Well, how could the gospel be proclaimed if Jesus is going to end up in a tomb? 
How can the gospel, the good news about Jesus, go into all the world if he ends up dead and buried in a memorial tomb? Well, you know the answer to that, don't you? Because he's not in the tomb anymore. Jesus tells them all in advance, he tells you today in advance, that he knows exactly what is in store, that he will, in fact, die on the cross, that he will be buried, but on the third day he will rise. And the gospel, the gospel will be proclaimed in all the world. And so those who are in league with Jesus, their memory will be preserved, just like this woman. And that's good news for each and every one of us in this room who want to be remembered. It's not bad to want to be remembered. It's not vain to want your memory to be preserved. Well, it would be if you want your memory to be preserved apart from Jesus. That's what Judas wanted. Judas wanted his memory to be preserved. He wanted to be part of something really important. And so when he saw what Jesus was doing, when he heard about what Jesus was doing, he said, I'd rather be part of the other conspiracy. I'd rather be in with the chief priests and the scribes. At least they'll give me money. But Judas, his memory is not forgotten, but it's not remembered fondly. If you want your life to be remembered, then you must lose it with Jesus. If you want your life to be preserved, if you want it to have counted, then put it in with Jesus and hear what he says today to that woman addressed to you. You will not be forgotten. Wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done and what you do with Jesus will be remembered. That means that your acts of love, your acts of mercy done for one another in the name of Jesus will be remembered. That means that your life lived in faith and in love in this world, even if no one else notices, even if everybody else looks at what you're doing on a Wednesday at noon and says, what a waste, you know? You could be doing something really important, but instead you're listening to the word of God, you're praying to the Lord Jesus, even if the rest of the world and even if your fellow brothers and sisters think, what a waste. Jesus says, nothing is lost that is done with him. So mark it well. You want to be part of a conspiracy, don't you? You want to be part of something that matters, then learn to be part of the story of Jesus. Make yourself part of his life. Throw yourself in, not just a little bit here or a little bit there, but put yourself in like this woman did with Jesus, and your life will not be forgotten. For Christ has come to preserve those who love him. Christ has come to preserve the blessed memory, to wash away all of our wrongdoings and preserve us in holiness to eternity. There was conspiracies in the air in Jerusalem long ago. The one came to nothing, the conspiracy of the Pharisees and the scribes. But the plan of Jesus, that plan continues to this day, and it will continue into the resurrection. To Christ be the glory now and always. Amen.